Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Lightning, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Tanker, and as always, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, so go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. you get $10 off your first order. And I'll discuss a little bit more about Built Bar a little, a little later on. But first, uh, you know, we're going to kind of stem away from the usual uh, order of things on the show, and I kind of want to devi- deviate from that now. Obviously, we, you know, I'm just going to get right into it. We've obviously been seeing what's been going on around the country, especially in Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you've been watching the news, you're no stranger as to what's with what's going on. And I've really tried to, I guess, not make a statement really yet until, you know, I I wanted to see how things play out. I'm, I'm the kind of individual that. When it comes to these kind of things, I, w- I want to keep the two separate. You know, obviously, this is a show about sports, but you know, there's a lot going on in the in the country right now and around the world with you know the incident that unfortunately happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd being killed in an altercation by Minneapolis PD. Now, we live in a time now where, unfortunately. You know, sports is here to distract us, to to really take us away from the troubles that we have in everyday life and, you know, the stress and all that stuff. And we live in a time now where everything is so exposed and sports and politics are one and the same. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to not talk about one without mentioning the other. And right now... Um, this is affecting everyone, whether what side of the line you're on on this, you know, whether you disagree with what happened or you are agreeing, you know, whatever side you're on. But I'm here to tell you that what happened is was absolutely a disgrace. Uh, I am first and foremost a supporter of police departments. You know, I have family members, close friends that are police officers and of course, they will always have my support. Having said that, what happened was disgusting, and I do not condone it, and I don't think anyone should. Uh, what happened was ridiculous, and the people that are protesting have every right to and every reason to. You know, the, what is you know, and this is not a new problem. Racism has been going on in this country and around the world for hundreds and years and thousands of years even before that and it's ridiculous that we're still having this discussion today but the issue that i have with all of this is the rioting and the looting and the destruction that is going on now it is one thing that i fully support it is one thing to go out there protest peacefully and go ahead and voice your issue, your issue and, you know, your, your reasoning and everything and, you know, fight for your cause. I'm all for that. That's why, you know, we live in America. This is a country where we feel lucky enough where we sh- we're able to do that. Now, having said that, there are certain individuals out there that are unfortunately using this to their own personal benefit and going out and looting, destroying all types of things. You know, tr- there was a story that I saw on social media that really disturbed me that, uh, that, uh, I got a man in Minneapolis. He, 
he actually he owned his own business. He put his whole life savings into it, and then almost overnight, it was wiped out. Uh, somebody during the riots in Minnesota set it on fire for absolutely no reason. He lost everything, and just seeing the interview of the man discuss it and just you know him start to cry, it, it was heartbreaking. And that's the th- that, I think that was the moment where I decided I need to say something about this. I need to bring this up on the show. Um, and it also ties into hockey as well as because, you know, with everything that came out in the last six months and, you know, the NHL and the minor league systems of black players being abused, it's, it's disgusting. And it's, there's no room for it in the sport of hockey. No, there's no room for it in any sport and there's no room for it in today's society. And the only thing we could do now as whether you're a Floridian, if you're an American or even if you're a Canadian listening to this or no matter what country you're from listening to this, we all need to come together. We all need to find some common ground peacefully and figure this out. And I know we can because I have faith in everyone. I have faith in all of you to come out there, come out and discuss this and figure this out. I, I still, you know, regardless of what's happened, whatever we see on the news on a nightly basis, I still have faith in people and I believe in the end, if we just all have faith in each other and we believe in each other, we could find a solution to this. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in the next six months. But I believe it will happen. We just need to be patient and we need to work together. Now, why, why did I bring up the hockey aspect of that? Now, of course, I started off the show by saying I feel like in today's society you can't bring up sports, or politics without mentioning the other in some regard. Now, having said that, Evander Kane went on ESPN's first take. Now, for those who may not know, Evander Kane, Evander Kane plays for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he is Canadian. He's from Vancouver. But, you know, this, like I said just a second ago, that this, you know, this isn't an issue that is just secluded in the United States. This is still something that's going on all around the world. And he made a very good point. I'm not going to read the whole statement. I'm just going to paraphrase here and there just so, you know, we could get the point across. Uh, Manor Kane went on ESPN's first take and said, it's time for guys like Tom Brady and Sidney Crosby and those types of figures to speak up about what's right and what's wrong. And I totally agree with him. I think that, you know, these, these guys, they're at the top of the league of what they do. You know, they're, this is a great opportunity for them. And even though, they do not. They may not like it. They may not want to talk about these things. I believe it's their responsibility, and especially in this day and age where, you know, your your word could reach people very much faster than it did maybe fifty, even twenty years ago. You know, with the power of social media, uh, is I think that this is a good opportunity. I think that these, you know, even though they may not want to talk about it, maybe if it makes them feel uncomfortable or whatever the case may be, but. You know, sometimes discussing things uh, that you're uncomfortable with are, you know, is a healthy thing to do because um, you may learn something about yourself. And I believe that, especially Sidney Crosby, who I believe is, you know, a guy, of course, that a lot of NHL players do look up to. I think that he needs to step up and say something, especially just because uh, I he has a duty to do. Um, and he has to set an example for uh, not only the players in the league, but as well as 
some of the young fans that may be watching and sitting by and waiting to see what does Sidney Crosby do. And, of course, Tom Brady as well. I think they need to do it, and I think that the NHL as a whole needs to be more vocal. I feel like maybe it's a culture thing in the NHL where this sort of thing isn't really talked about as often as it is maybe in the NBA and the NFL. And I think that that needs to change. And if there's was ever a better time to for it to change, the, the time is now. So I hope, I really hope so that uh, for the sake of, you know, his legacy um, and, you know, for the game of hockey that Sidney Crosby and as well, not just Sid, you know, because it's not just him. It's a lot of other players, you know. It's every player, you know, no matter whether you're the star, the captain of the team, or you're the backup goalie, you need to come out and, you know, just talk talk about this, say how you feel, um, and just can come out and say that this is wrong. This is wrong. This is There's no place for this. It's 2020. It's time to move on with this, okay? this it, We're done with this, and it's it's really frustrating to see. And like I said, I hope that, you know, more athletes, especially hockey players, start coming coming out and discussing and talking about this. And uh, I really commend Evander Kane coming out and calling out these guys because I, I think it really needed to, unfortunately, I think someone like Evander Kane, who's very outspoken, needed to do this. So, yeah, that's my little, you know, what I needed to say about this whole unfortunate situation that's going on right now. Uh, I hope I hope things get better. Uh, I hope if you're out there and you're protesting peacefully, uh, just be safe and just be smart and uh, don't let things get out of hand. And if you know you're in a situation, of course, that maybe gets a little hairy, uh, sketchy, just be careful and you know, just yeah, that's all I could say is just be careful and just do the right thing. So let's move on to something more. Uh, more little uplifting because I think that was maybe a little, you know, even though it was necessary, it was obviously you don't want to start out a show with something like this. But yeah, uh, we have Chad Schnarr from Bolts Prospects on the show today. Uh, Chad was, uh, you know, kind enough to come on the show, especially with the AHL season being canceled and, you know, to talk about the pros- uh, the Lightning prospects in the minor league system and also, you know, throw in his two cents about, you know, how the Lightning look going forward and maybe how this the franchise may shape up in a couple of years if maybe they reach their their goal of winning a cup or if they maybe fall short again so we get into all that in an in an interview i really had a lot of fun to it and thanks to chad in advance of course um go ahead and uh go to boltsprospects.com uh i really that really helps me out when um you know whatever the lightning bring up someone uh even if it's a guy like Mitchell Stevens who of course we all know even though he played a little this year he was one of my favorite players that they've brought up um yeah it was it's a very handy website it's something super easy to find um it's you know super easy to navigate as well it's it makes my life especially for you know covering the AHL, you know, speaking about the, the lightning players in the AHL when, you know, unfortunately they don't get a lot of, uh, TV time. Uh, it makes my life easier going on there and reading about these guys. So, uh, we'll get to that in just a bit, but let me talk to you about built bar. Uh, I went for, like I said, you know, I've been going for runs because unfortunately the gyms are not open yet. And I hope, I hope that they get, 
they, they open up soon, hopefully. Apparently, you know, things are starting to open up in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see, you know, how liberal the gyms are with letting people back in. We'll, we'll just have to sit, sit and wait. But you know what? You go out there, you go for a run. And if you feel like eating something before or after, Built Bar is perfect. It's, it's this little protein bar that's covered in chocolate. And they have all these different flavors. Like I've stated before, my favorite flavor is toffee almond. And, you know, you could customize your box either. You could get one of each kind uh, when you order it or if you want to get, you know, one, two flavors and, you know, just mix and match all that stuff. You could do all that. It's a lot of they, they make it super simple for you. Uh, right now, if you go to built, builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first order. All right, Lightning fans, my guest today on the show is Chad Schnard from Bolts Prospects. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. All right. So the reason I have you on the show today is because I haven't really spoken in depth about the Lightning's, uh, their, their minor league system thus far. We've only spoken really about Alex Baraboulet, uh, and as well as in the beginning of the season, we spoke about Nolan Foote. And of course, with in the Coleman trade, he was dealt to the devil. So now that opens up the doors for other prospects. Now, who, in your opinion, now with the with Foot's uh, exit to New Jersey, obviously along with Boulay still being around, who is maybe the some of the key players in this franchise Miley system that you know Lightning fans should look out for? Uh, at the time, Nolan Foot was dealt. He had just taken over on our rankings, the top spot from his brother. Um, so Cal still gets the top spot, but we're at a weird point in the uh, Lightning Farm history where it's it's kind of been like a roller coaster and it was way down and then it was up and kept going up, up, and now we're back on the down. And just because there's no uh, guaranteed top four defensemen, there's no uh, slam dunk top six forwards that you know are going to be impact players that they've all got serious question marks. Uh, and then actually it's the goaltenders that are kind of making their move right now. So looking at the, uh, let's say a top 10, uh, we, I have Cal foot, um, followed by Barry Boulay. Now Barry Boulay is fantastic from the blue line in and especially on the power play. He's been getting some PK time the thing with him is, is that he doesn't have overwhelming speed and quickness, and his pace of play is a little bit slow. So if you talk to like Syracuse coach Benoit Gru and some of the main prospect followers um, and writers across the continental um, U.S. and, and Canada, uh, they wonder about his ability to make the jump into the pros. He doesn't have like Tyler Johnson's burst or – Marcia So's quickness or, or players like that. And they're not similar there. Um, Mitchell Stevens, we have just because he's a, he is a slam dunk NHLer. He's there now. He's not going anywhere. He's probably going to eventually take Seti Paquette's role on the fourth line at center. A pretty versatile guy who was really good in Saginaw in juniors uh, with a puck on his stick. He played for a really bad spirit team but uh, was able to do some things offensively and that'll show from time to time. Right. Uh, yeah. And I spoke on uh, my couple of shows way back when I believe it was March uh, when, you know, season was in full swing. I thought, you know, in the limited amount of play that he had, I thought Mitchell Stevens was very impressive. Um, and I said, definitely uh, with more time, 
uh, up at the NHL level, he'll definitely be able to, um, you know, develop his game more and become more of a, a grizzled NHL. Now, do you think that maybe, do you think he's kind of at where we think he's going to be at in terms of development, or do you think he's still uh, a ways behind? I think he can climb into a, like a 3C role, uh, third line center, third line wing. He's got the versatility. Uh, when they drafted him, they compared him to Callahan. I remember asking him about that, and uh, he kind of shrugged it off and didn't want the comparison just because it was kind of putting too much pressure on him too soon. But he's a guy that is a complementary player who's going to play whatever role is given. And in Saginaw, and then when he got traded over to, I think he was with London for a playoff run, uh, he was in a role where he could score. Um, but then with Syracuse, they had him in more of a two-way role. And then in order to make the NHL, you know, use kind of his uh, size. He's not overly big, but he plays a bigger game. If he ever gets some space, he'll show you his hands. But his role is just get the puck in, get the puck out, uh, stay with my mark, finish my check, be strong in the forecheck. Um, that is kind of going to be his game unless he's given more of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't really see him growing into like a, a second line winger or a tweener there in the middle. He's probably going to be on the fourth line and be really effective doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's funny that he kind of got the Ryan Callahan comparison considering, um, one of the things that really stood out to me that I feel like this team sort of lacked through sometimes during the season was that they weren't very physical and Mitchell Stevens isn't exactly a large guy. So for him to go out there and you know, take it to the other, you know, large players on the team and really play a physical game and fight for those pucks along the boards. It really says something about how, you know, like you said, he's a very versatile guy and he's willing to jump into any role that's given to him. So that's definitely something that really impressed me and I think impressed a lot of Lightning fans. Now, let's just jump over to Alexander Vukov because he kind of had to use a baseball term, uh, a cup of coffee uh, up in the NHL. Now, what, what, do, you, what do you feel about uh, Alexander at this point? I'm not a huge fan, uh, to tell you the truth. I wasn't a big fan when he was drafted. I know he had uh, a lot of compliments thrown his way, but he was a guy who didn't get drafted at all his first year uh, and then was taken. And I thought did pretty well uh, with – he played some international stuff with Russia. Um, When you watch him, you can see why scouts love him. I mean, he's got size. He can skate. He's got a good head. Um, his hands are pretty filthy when they when he wants them to be. Um, he's been compared to Palat in terms of uh, a guy with some hands who gets back defensively. Uh, to use a football term, it's it's like he's got the, the tools, but he doesn't have the toolbox yet. Um, and they keep waiting for him to put it together. And he went back down to Syracuse and kind of sulked a little bit, and he, he'll even admit that. And the coach will say the same thing. And then he kind of put it together again. His, his first two years here, he had 20-some goals. Um, and then this year just fell way off the pace. There are just some players that look, <clears throat> that look great in camps and at combines and things like that. Um, Matthew Spencer was one the Lightning took at the top of the second round a couple years ago and looked the part but never developed into it. And I think Volkov's kind of the same way, 
Um, but they like him so much and he brings kind of that, a little bit of physicality there just in terms of having size that I think they're going to need, like you mentioned, that they're going to need on the, the upper lines, especially with a guy like Nolan Foote now gone because he was filling a role that they didn't have in the mm -hmm. farm. Now, um, now that we've kind of talked about some of the guys in the, I guess, top five or top four, if you want to say it, I'm actually looking at the rankings right now. Now, the Lightning, and I spoke on my episode with Eric Erlinson uh, about, I, I believe it was last week. We, we spoke about how this organization, when the offseason does eventually come, whether that might be in August or September or whenever they do continue and finish up the playoffs, they have a lot of tough decisions in terms of re-signing players. Uh, they have a number of UFAs coming up now. Do you see a scenario where the Lightning, in, in lieu of signing players to new contracts, some players that maybe are on the fence of that they don't want to give a lot of money to, do you see them bringing up a couple of these guys and saying, hey, I'd, we'll rather take our chances with these guys up in the NHL, a guy like Calfoot or Abule or Bokov or, you know, guys like that. Do you think that they're going to take that chance or do you think it's too soon to say that? I think they would. I think if, um, if they had the choice – they would probably pencil Calfoot into that third pair right side. Um, maybe use him as a six, seven, uh, just until he gets his feet wet a little bit. He's still got to work on his skating. It's come a long way, but he's still got some work to do. And God knows he's had plenty of time off the ice to uh, work on it over the last few months here. But I think they do want him in there. Um, there's still not much room in the forward ranks unless they're able to deal some of those big contracts away and you know Kalorn's the only one that's gonna have like a his no trade go away uh, June 1 which would be a shame um, considering how entertaining he is right now but um, I could see Volkov going in there I don't know that Barry Boulay would be a, a slam dunk to get in there Ross Colton, um, Kachuk, uh, Radish, those guys they're all kind of in the same boat but because Volkov has had, uh, like you said, a, a couple cup of co cups of coffee in the NHL. They'd probably go with him first unless they can bring in um, someone else that uh, would kind of fill that role until Volkov's completely ready. Mm -hmm. Now, you kind of mentioned at the, when we first started speaking about some goaltender uh, prospects that really impressed you. Now, obviously, we really I, – I mean, up to me, who knows um, – we really don't see any of these guys possibly stealing the spot from uh, Vasilevsky, but obviously now I guess this is just a fight for the backup position. Now who out of all these goaltender prospects do you think has the best chance and that we could possibly see at the NHL level? Uh, someday I think you'll see both Alnafelt and Trona, uh, Magnus Corona or Trona, however you pronounce it with um, the university of Denver had a fantastic year as a 19-year-old, goes in there, uh, goes like 16 and 6, a couple shutouts, and was named to the all-something team. I think it was all-rookie. Um, so that was fantastic. And he's a big guy, too, a 6'4 uh, keeper, which is just what um, Franck Jean likes for the Tampa's uh, goaltending coach. But the guy to watch is Hugo Alnefeld. They took him in the third round this past year. He jumps up in Sweden from the uh, Super Elite to the Swedish Elite League and then does quite well. 
ends up being the starting goaltender for Sweden's world junior team, which he wasn't even on the radar for that. So he's really making his move right now and he's playing against men over in Sweden. So I really like what he's doing. There's a possibility. I don't know that he'd be ready when Mackle, um, say McElhenney, is that right? Yeah. That's McElhenney. Uh, yeah. Um, Curtis McElhenney, when he's done at the end of next season, I don't know that uh, Alnefelt or Corona would be ready to go in, but it might give them, if they could get a, a, just a serviceable backup for a couple years, then one of these guys can go in, they establish some value, and then they're traded for something that they need. But mm. it's good to finally have uh, some good goaltending prospects in the pipeline again. Um, Ingram was good. And then obviously there was a lot of off the ice drama that ended up with him going to a uh, national organization, but really like these two and both Swedish too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sweden does have a good track record of producing uh, great goaltenders. You could see, you know, obviously Henrik Lundqvist is probably one of the best examples of that. Now, uh, the Lightning have really, you know, they, they came out, they made a statement, I think, uh, at the trade deadline, uh, that they're not afraid to not only trade first-round draft picks, but always also trade, you know, their top prospect, the Nolan Foot. Do you think we're going to see that as sort of a recurring theme maybe the next two years if they don't cap capture the cup this year? Just because I don't, I don't know if you've listened to some of my shows where I, I kind of – Went on a rant when they first traded uh, Foot, and they also traded some of these trade uh, these first round draft picks. Is that I think that's unless you could guarantee this franchise a Stanley Cup, uh, I don't think that's a smart thing going forward. Because then you're you don't know if these guys could maybe turn it around if maybe the organization was on the fence about them. Plus, you don't know who they're going to get for those first round draft picks. Do you think that's going to be a common theme in years to come, or do you think that? maybe there's some players in this top five, top 10 in, in the system that are maybe non-expendable. I don't know that there are any non-expendables now. I think Cal Foot is close and there were uh, big rumors when Carlson was about to relieve or about to leave Ottawa that they wanted Cal Foot and the Lightning said no. Um, I don't like what they did at the trade deadline in terms of how much they spent. Um, I thought that the three biggest assets uh, on the prospect in, in the prospect category that they had to deal were the first rounder, or the first rounder this year, uh, the other first rounder this year, and then um, Nolan Foot and they ended up trading all three and got back what I don't think is guaranteed impact. I think it's nice, but I don't think it's guaranteed. And even though a first was swapped for a third, you're looking at probability falling way down uh, from where they were um, with the, the trade for Goudreau. Um, I don't know that they even have the pieces to do that moving forward now. Um, it reminds me of the the story when uh, Tortorella uh, went to Jay Feaster before the Fedotenko trade before that draft and said, um, if you make this pick, we're, and then used an explicative um, and Feaster went out and made that trade and, and got a lot of heat from it. Uh, but it ended up working for them at, for where they were as a, as an organization. And as much as, Iserman wanted this to be a sustainable success system. 
Um, I do think that because of all the contracts and, and Stamco's hitting 30 now, that the window is starting to close and they had to do something. So I think you're going to see maybe a two, three-year run here and they're going to spend what they can to do that and, and hope to get some mid-rounders and land on them um, so they can kind of keep the, the boat afloat moving forward past that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough decisions when you're trying to win a cup and go all in on that, as well as, you know, trying to preserve your, your minor league system. Now, I spoke on past episodes, and this is kind of a theme that I really don't want to keep bringing up with Lightning fans, but it's eventually going to have to come up in conversation. Is Steven Stamkos obviously is not, for lack of a better word, an Ironman uh, when it comes to you know, playing games consistently healthy. Now, do you see a scenario where maybe in the next couple of years or so where the Lightning say, all right, you know, he's had a good run with the team. We didn't exactly accomplish what we needed to. Maybe it's time to replenish the system and trade him for a bunch of picks and prospects. Do you think it's time? Do you think it's appropriate to do that at this early in the stage or even think about that? Or, you know, it's never, it's never too early to start thinking. I think it might be a little bit too early. I also think because of the um, the monumental celebration that it was when he chose to come back to Tampa, when he could have gone to Toronto or Detroit or Montreal or wherever, that they would have to put a lot of years between that and them ending up trading him. Um, I think what you'd see first is maybe a headman would be dealt before a Stamkos. A, I think it would bring back more. And B, you've got kind of uh, Sergachev behind him, a little bit younger, um, who's also projects to be maybe not as good, but pretty darn good. I think that your overall point about cashing in on some um, high-priced talent to replenish things is true i think that's going to happen i just don't think it's going to be stamkos probably within three four five years after that would be iffy too maybe they ask him to retire or mm. in, in a roundabout way so you would say maybe they would have sort of a situation that they had with vincent lecavier back in the day where um i believe there was a clause in his contract if i'm not mistaken that he was not uh, able to sign with another team. I don't know if that was with the Lightning or maybe that was with another team. I believe that was with the Lightning where he was unable to – yeah, he was bought out. And then he went to – I believe it was the Kings Philly. or uh, Philly. And then um, he was unable to sign with another team. There was a clause in his contract. So do you think they would have a situation like that? With, uh, that would be. Yeah, that would be a very unusual situation. Now, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, popularity goes to the AHL, of course, because that's where the immediate prospects come from. But we, you don't hear a lot of talk with the usual hockey fan in terms of the ECHL. Now, of course, the Orlando Solar Bears are no stranger to being spoken about just because of how well they, they choose their jersey styles. Who, <laughs> which player do you think from the Solar Bears do you think uh, has the best chance of you know, make not saying you know, he's going to jump to the NHL next year, but has has a good chance to be not only on the crunch, but maybe on on a starting line in years to come. Um, that's a tough one because usually, probability wise, ECHL is goaltenders are the most likely to make it, and then defensemen, and then forwards. Um, but I like there's some prospects down there I'm not really high on, but uh, 
Shaligan, the uh, kid out of the Russian juniors that they drafted that broke, I think it was Kucherov's goal record. I think he was a year older when he said it, uh, but came over, uh, played most of the year in, or- in Orlando last year, didn't do much at all. And that's not a typical when a young player comes over to North America and depending on his personality, it's tough for him to fit in. I think next year you'll see um, a lot more from him, especially if he can take care of his skating a little bit. Um, I think he's one that maybe could make some noise in the future. Uh, Lapanov, I don't think will. I'm not very high on Sosunov or Sosunov. We're going to say that he's huge. He's a spectacle, and maybe he can get some time in Syracuse. But right now, he's really struggling. And then Ryan Lohan, uh, coming from UMass Lowell, did really well there. Um, kind of surprised he didn't do better his first year and ended up way down there and not doing much. Mm-hmm. down there same with Jimmy Huntington he didn't do a whole lot either but both of those guys I think can do some things in Syracuse next year but I think that in terms of upside it's probably Shaligan. Oh, okay okay well you know it's always interesting to see how you know it's not like baseball where you have triple a double a and you know single a um, obviously you only have two levels here uh, the one thing that's very interesting that a lot of fans have been reaching out to me and they said, you know, when are you going to do it, when you're doing your minor league segment, if you have someone on ask this, they've uh, with the AHL being obviously the season's been canceled due to the, due to the pandemic. Do you believe that that's going to affect not only the way the lightning are going to assess their, their prospects at the end of the season, or do you think this is going to be a league wide obstacle that they're going to have to overcome and maybe they're going to have to do kind of I guess a padded grading system for the small sample size that maybe they got from some of their players this year yeah I think that will be the case the latter there Um, we're about to find out who the black aces are who's going to come down to Tampa um, and practice with the team and that'll go a long way to uh uh, telling us who they value and how much and now there's going to be some minor league vets in there too but Um, I think what's really lost with the playoffs not being around is you don't get to see who elevates their game. Like a guy like Boris Kachuk uh, was so good in Sault Ste. Marie and then goes over and uh, plays with, um, oh, who was it? Erie, I think. And he did well um, in a two-way role. I could see him stepping up, uh, but we don't get to see that. Um, you're looking at one more year for most of these guys, though. Volkov and Ross Colton are both RFAs, and they're probably locks to be re-signed. Um, Dominic Machine, he's already passed through waivers once. Are they going to bring him back? Um, I think it really affects guys like Ben Thomas and Dennis Yan. You know, maybe they had a chance to prove that they could get one more year, um, but I don't think either one is going to. So it's, it's going to be kind of tough. It's, they're always wait and see with the prospects, and they didn't get to see much at the end of this year. Mm, absolutely, yeah. It's definitely a, definitely a tough situation. Um, probably some of these guys are probably frustrated that they didn't really get the chance to show what they got in the playoffs. Now to kind of end the show, kind of the segment for this, um, what is um, – let, let's, let's speak to about uh, both prospects. Now, how did that idea come about? How did you end up where you are now with uh, both prospects? Um, that idea came around in the early 2000s. Um, 
we were, there was three of us and we were old message board uh, contributors on the St. Pete Times um, message board uh, way back in the day. And we kind of started following the prospects and there was a lot of people like I'm sure you get a lot of people ask questions about it and we knew where to look up stuff back then. Um, and that was right after the 98 draft. And I was really intrigued with the third round pick, Brad Richards. And was he just a product of being on Vinny LeCavier's line or did he have something on his own? And that 99-2000 season when the Lightning had Sheldon Keefe in the OHL with Barry and then um, Richards with Ramuski, um, that's kind of the first year we started really reporting on stuff. And then we kind of came official in 05 and started doing daily updates on how uh, the guys were doing down there. And it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, it's, that's definitely cool. Yeah, I mean, if you were, if there was any a better time to start this, it would have definitely been the lockout year. Um, yeah. So right, right before I let you go, what is your prediction now with the, obviously the recent um, announcement of how the playoffs are going to kind of, restart uh what is your prediction for this lightning team going forward um i like their second round i haven't heard of, are they going to reseed after the first because i know there was some talk about reseeding or did they absolutely get stuck with the islanders or panthers i believe how it works is they're going to have round robin to determine the seeding through one oh, through right. four and then i'm not sure of how it's going to work out going forward once those those first rounds do conclude uh, I guess they're just, I, they haven't released much information in terms of reseeding going forward, but okay. uh, I've, I've been for the longest time for the last couple of weeks, kind of been promoting the idea of having an all, all uh, Florida playoff series. Hopefully, you know, you got to root for the Panthers to beat the Islanders. But at the same time, I kind of caught myself on the show yesterday and I changed my mind. I think I want this team to, to play the, the Blue Jackets get the first seed, have a chance at getting a little bit revenge. What do you think is, uh, do you think um, one of the golden rules in playoffs and, and any tournament is to not wish for who, who you want to play because that could always backfire on that. What do you think about that? Do you think that uh, they, the Lightning want to go after the Blue Jackets again, or do you think they think you want to play it safe with possibly even playing uh, the winner of Pittsburgh Montreal and maybe hope that Montreal pulls off an upset? Um, I, I love the, the competitor in me is like, yes, Blue Jackets, let's go. Let's do this. Um, I, in terms of what the Lightning can and, and should do, I think they match up better against um, skating teams. And uh, I don't want to face, uh, if I'm the Lightning, I don't want to face Barry Trotz um, and how he kind of packs it in. Mm -hmm. and uh so i don't want to really i wouldn't want them to face the islanders i think they'd struggle there uh tortorella who knows what he's got up his sleeve again um i think there are a couple few teams that that just pack it in and rely on their goaltending that they could give the lightning problems um but like even a, a series against washington you know looking ahead there or even pittsburgh maybe even philly um, I think those would be really entertaining, and I like the Lightning's chances in all of those. Um, so I think they can go far. I think it's just a matter of matchups and injuries. Right. And if they can avoid any marquee player getting injured, like a Hedman or a Vasilevsky, then I think they'll do well. Right, absolutely. I, th I actually said on my show that the only team other than, you know, the Bruins that I'm a little wary of is yeah. the, New York, the New York Rangers, actually. They're a 
incredibly fast team. Uh, if they don't, if they don't have Lundqvist in that, I assume they're going to put Sesterkin. But even if they resort to putting Yorgiv, if Sesterkin or Yorgiv get hot, I think, especially with some of the slow starts this Lightning team has had over the course of the season, I think that's going to be a very frustrating season for the Lightning if they don't come in ready to play. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll be if 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 we come out of all this and the Lightning only lasted a round of quote unquote real playoffs. Uh, again, then yeah, I don't know about John Cooper's future. Uh, that's not going to be a good story. Yeah, it's not going to be a good um, scenario to to really have to come to fruition. Uh, but yeah, hopefully they uh, they come ready to play, which I fully expect them to. They're going to have a fully healthy team. Everyone's going to be well rested and ready to go. I think a healthy Lightning team is by far one of the best teams in this league, if not the best. We'll just have to wait till they play the games because obviously chemistry is going to come into factor. So we'll just have to sit and watch and wait and see how the things play out. But thanks, Chad, for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. And then once we hit the offseason, we'll have you back on to discuss maybe some of the new exciting things happen in the minor league system. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Once again, I'd like to thank Chad for coming on the show. I really appreciate him taking the time out of his schedule to, uh, to talk to us on the show. And, you know, like I said, hopefully when, uh, season comes you know to a close once again um you know we'll have them on the in the off season and we'll discuss some things happening on and maybe some of the players that we might see in next year's training camp and maybe who knows maybe they'll make the team and uh we'll we'll see them making a big impact at the nhl level so that's it for today's show of locked on lightning part of the lockdown podcast network i'm your host adam danker i'll talk to you on the